Across America and around the world, famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. We uncork episode number three of our special six-part series celebrating Knutson Vineyard's 50th anniversary. A lineup of Oregon wine legends, Paige Knutson Coles, co-hosting with me. Great to have her along as we welcome the legendary Dick Erath in our opening episode. Then the maestro of Oregon's sparkling wine, Rollin Souls, with us in episode two. We are looking forward to our next episode in this series. Veronique Druin will be joining us from France. And then we'll have vineyard guru Alan Holstein and his son Jackson joining us, as well as legendary Australian Brian Crozier, who co-founded the Dundee Wine Company with Cal Knudsen back in 1987. In this episode, we welcome another legacy winery celebrating 50 years in the Oregon industry, Sokol Blosser led by the sister and brother team of Allison and Alex Sokol Blosser. Well, Allison and Alex, I want to start off with you. Uh, Sokol Blosser, as we mentioned, has been in business since 1971. Your parents started with just five acres there in Dundee, and they decided kind of on a flyer, I guess, to plant a vineyard in Oregon. What a crazy thought 50 years ago, right? Um, You two were born as that project developed. And I guess the obvious question is, what was it like to grow up on a vineyard? And when did you know that you wanted to stay close to home and, and work in the family business? Go for it, Allison. You want, you want me to start with that one? Go for it, um, sure. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, it, it seems like this would be the perfect childhood, right? Growing up in the country on a beautiful vineyard. And, you know, my memories, you know, there were some good things, like, hillsides in the vineyard are perfect for sledding you know a nice gentle slope is great for farming but it's also great those few days when you get snow and 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 perfect for sledding but i also have just a lot of memories i have more memories of watching my parents work there was always work and for those of you who have grown up in a farming family you know what i'm talking about there's always work but there was in addition to the farming work and the and the 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 grape growing part there was the wine making part and the wine sales part so you know we didn't really have the traditional family vacations other than camping every once in a while it was always you know a vacation that was kind of really actually a work trip so going to a wine festival or going to a wine dinner. And then, by the way, we kids got to tag along and maybe there was a swimming pool and we get an hour break to go swimming or something like that. So those are those are my memories. Um, of course, now, you know, that I have kids of my own, I'm eager to pay it forward and have them come on, you know, work trips with me or work vacations, I should say, with me and have them work at the vineyard and work in the winery so that they can experience the same thing that I did. So it's really come full circle for me. And it took me probably longer than Alex to realize that this was my future, that this is where I wanted to be. I kept kind of leaving the business and coming back, leaving and coming back. And it wasn't until about 2004 when I said, okay, I'm in, this is it. No, nothing else. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm, I'm in it. That's cool. What about you, Alex? 
Yeah, no, I, and you know, I think Allison really felt she needed to come back because she's like, "What is my brother doing over there? <laughs> he needs some help." So there was um, that too. Which you know, Allison's the younger sister, so she does. She she she. I'm, I I need I need chaperoning. Um, so the you know, growing up as Allison mentioned, you know, we are. You know, the wine business is the epitome of value-added agriculture. So we are, you know, ag first, then we're manufacturing in terms of making wine. Then we become a sales and marketing organization. So we're really three organizations in one. So, and you can really, you know, look at all three of those independently, or you look at it as a whole. And there, 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 there is a lot of work, but I think the, the, the work that we saw our parents do, they were also very entrepreneur entrepreneurial and they helped start an industry. And so it was very touch and go. You know, when our mom retired in 2008 and handed over the, uh, the baton to Alice and myself, um, she'd like to quip that it, it, it takes two to replace her one. So, but that's cool. We get a mom. Um, but also one of the things she said that she was most proud of when asked, Hey, what are you most proud of after, you know, leading the business and starting it? She said, Hey, we're still around. So the survival was something that uh, our parents are very proud of. But I think what Allison and I are grateful for is that our parents were entrepreneurial because Allison and I, we both look at each other and like, would you have done this when you were their age? And I would say, oh, and Allison would be like, I wouldn't do it either. But we're so proud of what our parents started and we're, 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 we're in it to be stewards and to take it to that third generation. And it's something that, you know, in terms of how I got into the business is you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, grow, you, you know, growing up in the wine business is not normal, you know, and, and working, uh, when I was in middle school and high school was not normal and working with people from all over the world, you know, I, I'd, I'd go to harvest after school and there'd be, you know, French people there, Italian people there, you know, Germans, Kiwis, Aussies, just, it was, it was, you know, it was amazing. I loved it. And, you know, every harvest is kind of like, how can I not work harvest? How can I not be a part of this? And then once you go away to college and, and, you know, I did other stuff and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it, you just kept coming back to it because there's an energy that's hard to, you know, it, it's like it, it burns so hot. It's hard. You, you want, you want that fix. And uh, I still need that fix. So here I am here at Circle Blosser. <laughs> Still That's awesome. See, I thought it was because we on the walls. had. Pe- I, I thought it was because we had Pinot Noir in our veins, you know, like <laughs> running through our bodies. Like we just, you can't not be here. Yes, I like I like that image. You guys have been working as co-presidents since your mom transitioned out of the role, and you mentioned it was two thousand eight. But you know, after she did it for seventeen years, and as she describes in her second novel, the vineyards years recipes, a memoir of recipes. She definitely you definitely knew what it was like for her. But I'd be interested to know what it was like for you, and how is it going now? I always thought my mom shouldn't have called that book the Vineyard Years. We're still doing it. Yeah, we're still, we're still doing it. <laughs> right, right, right. We haven't killed each other. We're still That's here. That's good. That's good. That's good. But, awesome. you know, Allison, I, I always thought that mom should have called those the, the hairdo years because I thought that mom 
you know, she all she 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 always was hip with her hair haircuts. You know, she had like a platinum phase. You know, she had you know in the seventies a Dorothy Hamill haircut, which was mm-hmm. pretty- Dorothy Hamill. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. But uh, <laughs> but you know it, it, that probably wouldn't sell as many books as the Vineyard Years. So oh, I get it. That's cool. Well, she may well, not appreciate that as much either. You know. Yeah. But so when when. We took over from our mom, you know, Alex and I were eager to have more responsibility. We were eager to create plans to grow the business. We had, um, you know, when we took over, Alex, you probably remember January 1st, 2008 or January 2nd, 2008, you know, at that point, we couldn't even make enough wine. We were selling everything and it was so easy and business was easy and we had huge growth plans of how we were going to grow and expand. And we took over on top of the world and then what happened nine months later, kaboom, you know, everything crashed. And I remember mom and dad saying, oh, this is so good for them because they wanted us to struggle. Like, well, maybe they didn't want us to struggle, but they knew it would be good for us to struggle just like they had through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. So, you know, we... Um, we had a lot of conversations leading up to that point of taking over of how we were going to manage the business. And we both, we both wanted it. And we both had a commitment to the business long-term and we had a shared vision of, of how we wanted to accomplish that. And, you know, even though we both had MBAs, we felt like if we could harness and combine our strengths, one plus one could equal three. Mm -hmm. And that's why we chose to be co-presidents, even though a lot of people warned us that that was a terrible idea. I think Alex, you even had friends bet against you that it wouldn't last. And, it lasted. We're still here. Like you I said, won we those bets. each other yet. You won I won those bets. bets. I, I thought I was taking advantage of them by betting. But I won a box of cars on one of those bets. It was that was that was a good bet. Listen, you guys, it's a real testimonial to the strength of your family and your relationship. That's that's how I see it. My siblings and I didn't grow up in the vineyard. We had a really different model from yours and that our dad bought the vineyard as an investment. He had total passion for it and he had a lot of vision for what he thought was uh, possible in Oregon. But it, it really played a big part in our family's identity, even though we didn't live on the property. We worked there on the summers and, you know, developed a really strong affinity for the land. But here we are, second generation stewards, just as you are second generation stewards. And talk a little bit about what it feels like to be um, kind of the the caretaker, if you will. That may not be quite the right word because you're also um, propelling it forward of a 50-year-old family business and the legacy that that is. Well, the thing that our parents have always taught us is that you can never rest on, you know, your, your history helps you, but you can't rest on it. And that you're only as good as your current vintage. <laughs> and that we can't forget that because every year that goes by, the wine industry gets more and more competitive. Um, and that is something that we all feel. And so I think, you know, as you see too, Paige, you've been around for 50 years. You, you have a little bit more resiliency. You've seen a lot. Um, you know, the competition is not something to be scared of. It's something to actually, you know, lean into and say, all right, you know, how, how can I remain relevant in, in this competitive landscape? And so remaining relevant, um, holding true to, to your roots 
And, uh, you know, you, again, you're only, we're only as good as our current vintage. So every year we got to put the bat in the ball um, some way, shape or form. And I think that's uh, that's what keeps it interesting. I know for for Allison and I and, uh, you know, I, you know, it's fun being on this call with you, Paige, because, you know, when you look at landmark, you know, and 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 showcase vineyards in Oregon, you know, Knudsen is up there at the at the top of the list and what your dad you know, the, the, the risk he took and the chances that he took in 1971. I mean, that's, that's, that's there at the beginning. I mean, that, that's a, an impressive. And for, for so many years, and I don't know what maybe Dick mentioned this, that I think the Knutson vineyard was the largest planted vineyard in Oregon for number, a number of years. Yes. Sheer yep. acreage. Yep. I don't, maybe it was until, you know, King Estate planted or something. There was a lot of, um, you know, that was probably one of the big largest vineyards in the state for a long, long, long time. And that mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Well, I appreciate that. People thought he was a little crazy, I think. <laughs> well, you started. had to be. He was. I'm sure he was. Just like my parents were. Our parents were crazy, too. But you know what? It's, it's, it's the good crazy. They all were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. You know, you you guys have always uh, emphasized sustainability since, I mean, I remember my first trip out to Sokol Blosser, maybe late, mid to late 90s, um, and your B Corp in 2017 and produce an annual sustainability report. Maybe talk about the importance of sustainability. You know, it, it, it I feel like it kind of became this marketing thing for a while and, and then B Corp came along, which really solidified that. So maybe talk about that and why it's so important for Sokol Blosser. Yeah, our parents always thought of themselves as being environmentalists, but that definition, you know, from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s has really evolved as we've learned more about what it means to take care of the land and be citizens and not only take care of the land, but also be good citizens in the community and good employers and, you know, thinking about all the stakeholders um, as well. And so, you know, it started um, in the 90s from a farming perspective. We were um, one of the first or the first vineyard to enroll in the live uh, process, live certification process, and we were certified live, um, certified salmon safe. Uh, And from there is really how the education began. And then in 2002, Um, We started farming organically and we became certified in 2005. At the same time, it was, we were building a barrel cellar and my mom had heard about this new uh, green building certification lead, which is now super common. But back then it was, had a huge price premium. It was really challenging to try to find an architect who was lead certified and a builder who who would be willing to take on the project. Uh, and so we did it though. We've never, <laughs> my parents started a vineyard in Oregon. We've never taken the easy route, you know, so why do that when it comes to sustainability too? And so every time we make, you know, a business decision or, you know, a construction project or packaging, we're always trying to think about how do we lessen the impact on the earth, on the community, and yet still stay in business, which is where that the triple bottom line concept comes in. And when we learned about B Corp, it really um, struck a chord with us because it's such a holistic way of looking at sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it really gave us such a great framework to look at everything across our whole business, because it really takes into account not only how we're farming our land, um, but it also takes into account 
our energy usage and our the benefits we're giving our employees and you know those you know our donations to the community so it's just a very holistic approach um we just went through our third um assessment with B Corp. And each time we've done it, we've managed to increase our score. So I'm really mm-hmm. proud that, you know, we're continuing to learn, we're continuing to try and implement new things that help make us not only a better company, but ultimately um, a better, you know, a better business doing doing good, which is kind of the, the B Corp motto is using business as a force for good. I have to say, it's tremendously inspirational to me. And maybe, Alex, I don't know if you want to, to uh, pile on to your sisters. You did a great job of describing what you Yeah, guys she did, did a great job. I would just mess it up. Allison, okay. Allison is the, uh, <laughs> she's, she, she's the she's the ringmaster for, for all things sustainability. I, I work on the organic certification on the vineyard and the winery. So that is, you know. Um, so That's one, a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork and it, it takes uh, days out of the year to, you know, maybe a full week out of the year to, to effectively do that. And it gives me a great appreciation for those that are actually certified organic, as opposed to just saying that they're organic. I mean, getting that certification actually means something. So I'm an organic consumer myself. So I do look for things that are certified organic by the USDA or their local state certification. So... Very inspirational. So, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, it would be great to be a B Corporation. And then I looked at what you have to do to be a B Corporation. And it's not something you can just say, okay, I'll check a few boxes and we'll be fine. (laughs) You have to really put a lot of thought into it. So one of the things that you guys did uh, back in 2013 is open a very um, architecturally significant tasting room on your property and it is beautiful do you consider that a real mark of your leadership as co-presidents because you took that on five years after you'd uh, taken on the roles and then i presume that also is um, designed to be uh, sustainable in whatever ways and maybe it must be lead certified i'm assuming maybe not yeah well that so the we were on the uh, the cutting edge of sustainability with that building. Mm-hmm. We got cut with it. We, we got cut that edge. We went for a new certification called the Living Building Challenge. Oh, oh my God! It was too much of a challenge. We failed. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get the we didn't get that certification. We could have easily gotten lead platinum, but we went for something more, and it was too much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so good learning experience for us. Um, we thought, oh, hey, you know, we can do this. We're Circle Blosser. No, we didn't. <laughs> but no, it, we had one lead building. We're like, we know how to do that. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's go for the next thing. Let's go for we a, like real a challenge. challenge. That, we don't take the easy route. Yeah, if you ever see a building that's living building challenge certified, oh my god, mm-hmm. that thing is is uh, is that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I, it's impressive. But you know, one thing that. What, what's interesting is our, our parents are into architecture. So architecture means something to them. So, and it's not just, you know, they don't want like, you know, Frank Gehry architecture. They want, you know, what they're into is what, what is local, what, what says something that, you know, when you're in a building in Oregon, how do you know that you're in a building in Oregon? Well, it, mm-hmm. Texture can tell you that. So they chose, uh, 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 at the time in 1978, a prominent local architect by the name of John Storrs. 
um, before, and he designed our, our original tasting room that opened in 1978. And John Storrs at the time had also just completed Salishan Lodge, the Western Forestry Center, some more iconic things in in the state when it comes to architecture. So he did our 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 original tasting room. And so when we decided to do to build a new tasting room, we said, all right, who's the new John Storrs? And so we landed on um, Brad Clopeville, who actually grew up in um, it, uh, grew up here in Yamhill County, and now he become a, a big deal. He's got a his architecture firm, Allied Works in Portland. He's got it in, in New York City. So he designed something and we said, listen, we want this to look like, you know, you're in Oregon, you know, and um, so that, that's what he designed us. And it, it, it is uh, um, it's a pretty fancy artsy fartsy building. Uh, oh, no, no, you're, no, it's, it's beautiful. It's not well, artsy fartsy. Well, I, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the winemaker. I receive production. So when I think of a building, I want it to be very, you know, functional utilitarian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, and I kind of oversaw the project and he said, well, can you see what this is going to look like? And I went, absolutely not. I cannot see what this is. Gonna look like. <laughs> and then halfway through building it, I can like, wow, this thing is going to be amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of lines. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of cedar, a lot of Western red cedar on it. So, I mean, I love it, but it's also, it's, it's very architectural. You know, it's not like our stand up concrete building. It's not like our barrel cellar, which is a fancy uh, potato barn. Um, I know Brian is in, in Idaho, so he might appreciate potato barns out there. Um, oh, yeah, very much so. so Thank you. Yep. <laughs> so it, it, it is it is something worth if you're in architecture, it's definitely something worth seeing. And I presume, I mean, it seems to me whenever I go, it's jammed with people. So the spaces must work very well for the public and for your guests. Yeah, it, it does. We designed it with a, a lot of intention, thinking that, hey, people just aren't out anymore just to lean against the bar and get a taste. Right. They want more information. So we have a lot of more intimate spaces for people to do more sit-down tastings and really learn a lot more about the wine that we're making. Um, which is a lot different than what people were looking for in 1978 when we opened up our our original tasting room. Mm-hmm. I feel like just because this is being recorded, I should put a little asterisk and say, yes, normally we're very busy, but right now we're only operating at 25% capacity because we're operating under the state uh, state capacity constraints for Yamhill County. Yes. No, I appreciate that. And I just read just right before this that as soon as the state is 70% vaccinated, all of the risk levels are going to disappear masks probably not disappear social distancing maybe not disappear but restrictions and risk levels will disappear so yes. go get your vaccine everybody yes. go get your vaccine shots in projection. june did you say end of june is when they're projecting that 70 percent could be vaccinated awesome great cool want to ask you guys about uh evolution you know you've got this iconic uh, winery, obviously, Sokol Blosser. And I want you to talk about why you launched Evolution and, and the challenges of having, you know, like a second label um, when you already have all this stuff going for you. Why did you do that? And I mean, I know it's been a success, but maybe mm-hmm. talk us through that. Yeah. The Evolution label, you know, it's, it's you know, you'll be talking with, uh, the with I think, Veronique Duran uh, soon, uh, next week. And, you know, the, in, in France, they have a very 
typical business model where you have your domain, your estate wines, and then you have your negotiant wines, which is wines that are that you are you make from grapes that you don't control. Mm-hmm. You own the vineyard. Um, but you negotiate, you buy the great, you buy grapes, you buy wine and you blend on your, on your on site. So evolution has always been our negotiate business. It's always been, um, the business that we know that we can offer everyday value wines to, to the world. Um, whereas Sokol Blosser, our, our goal is to, you know, we're always swinging for the fences with Sokol Blosser in terms of what we're trying to do with, with quality and to express the vintage in a way that uh, is meaningful to us and make something that's compelling. And those are, it's not that those aren't great value. It's that those are at, definitely at a higher price point. And, you know, you might, you know, uh, those might be your weekend wines where evolution might be your weekday wines, <laughs> in a way of, of, of trying to describe it. But our mom was very intentional in terms of coming up with evolution that we that our first evolution wine called evolution white rolled out in 1998. And that was a blend of nine white wines. And that was a wine that really fe- features prominently on food pairing. So my mom wanted that wine to go well with Asian fusion cuisine. And that the next evolution we rolled out was Evolution Red. And that one really focuses on pizzas, pastas, grilled foods, uh, barbecue. Um, and then um, Allison and I, when we took over, we started rolling out um, Evolution Pinot Noir and Evolution Chardonnay, really focusing on what we can source just right here in the, in, in, in the Willamette Valley. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the largest part of our production in terms of cases. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something that allows us to continue to focus and invest on the Sokol Blosser brand. So, yeah, that do all right, Allison? No, you, you did a great job. I mean, I think the, the start of evolution, you know, with Evolution Lucky Number 9 White was really based off of all the Sokol Blosser estate wines that we had been making at the time. And we used to make all these different white um, wine varietals, and one of them, especially Muller Turgau, my um, our mom was super excited about and thought it just had such huge potential, but she couldn't sell it. Nobody could pronounce it. Nobody really knew what it was. They didn't want to pay very much money for it. And, you know, our parents were actually, we think, the first to commercially plant Muller Turgau in the U.S. Hmm. back in the 70s. That's how much they believed in, in its potential. And, um, you know, we just couldn't, she couldn't make a go of it, but somebody suggested, why don't you come up with a proprietary name for it, blend a couple other varietals into it, and you might get something, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. And uh, so that's what she did. So all these small bottlings of different things that we did blended together and became, became evolution. It's been such a success story. It's been really fun to watch it grow from afar. Um, I've read both of your mother's memoirs, and it is impressive indeed what she was able to accomplish uh, while running the company, raising a family, working on the property. I mean, she kind of did it all. How, how has she inspired you, you two, in your life, in your career? And, and has, what's your father's influence been? Our mom is a force. And to understand our mom, if you've met her mom, affectionately known as Grandma Phyllis, you will know the, you know, where she gets that energy. And our mom is a 
history major. She is very well versed on all things history. So she always has good sayings. So growing up with someone who, when you did something, she, you know, or she saw something, she'd be like, well, you know, all road, all the, 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 the road to hell is paved with good intentions or, you know, you always, always have sayings, always have sayings. And mom was a very driven person. And I think I've, I've learned uh, a lot of my competitive spirit through our mom. And mom, you know, was never in, I, I was a big sports person in high school, but my mom was not into sports. But I think I, I learned to be competitive through my mom. Mm-hmm. She wanted to win. And you could always tell that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's, a, it, you know, that's something I've always, uh, <laughs> I've always been grateful for. I mean, not competitive. I'm not mean. So just healthy, healthy competition. You're a striver, as your mother is a striver. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. My dad is, what, what's fascinating about my dad, and that he also is what is part of what makes the Oregon wine industry amazing, is my dad is all about collaboration. And my dad was said, you know, if you don't care about who gets credit, it's amazing what you can get done and accomplish. Mm-hmm. So my dad would work tirelessly. He was, you know, head of every Oregon you know, wine industry association, OWA, OWB, all that stuff, you know, help start all that stuff. But you'll never see like any kind of like big monuments to my dad because my dad didn't care about getting recognition. He cared about getting the job done, moving the ball forward, getting the industry off its feet. And that's my dad in a nutshell. And I always appreciated that about, you know, and then that's really... But there's, but there's a lot more people like that in the Oregon wine industry. I remember calling up, you know, Dave Adelsheim saying, hey, I want to give a award to you. He's like, no, don't give it to me. I don't, I, no, I don't need that award. I'm like, oh, my God, come on, man. <laughs> there's a award, it's you. Come on. But he's like, no, no. So there, there's a lot of modesty, you know, almost too much modesty in some people in Oregon. That's a little annoying. Um, but uh, that's all right. We'll pull them off the couch and, and put a ribbon around them and say, too bad. Here's some recognition for you because you deserve it. We try to catch them a salute every year with that. So that's uh, that's the that's the time and place for that, I think, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I want to talk about uh, the project uh, that Sokol Blosser and Knutson Vineyards have uh, started together. This first Knutson Vineyards brand uh, sparkling wine, a Blanc de Blanc, will be produced and put into tourage. By you, my friend, and Robin Holly, the sparkling winemaker at Sokol Blosser, to be released in a couple of years, 2023. As a side note here, Andrew Davis of uh, Radiant Sparkling Wine will be involved with the riddling, the disgorging, the labeling, all that stuff. But this Knudsen, uh, you know, m- mashup with you guys is, is coming together. Give us an update here. Yeah, I, I just I want to say it, it to and, and thank uh, Paige for her willingness to start this conversation and the conversation has led so far that we're now making wine together. Um, because when, when you think of sparkling wine and the potential that Oregon has, um, there is no doubt in my mind that when the history books are written, um, Cal Knudsen will be in there for leading the charge on believing that Oregon's Oregon and the Dundee Hills is, is, the best place to make a vineyard for sparkling wine. 
Um, and there's a very short list of what are the Grand Cru sites for sparkling um, production in Oregon. And at the very top of that list, um, hands down, is the Knudsen Vineyard. So when I heard, when a little birdie told me that um, Paige might be willing to sell some um, um, Chardonnay grapes from Knudsen, I immediately called her and I said, is this, is this rumor true or is this just, are you just teasing me? And she says, no, it's true. Come, I'll show you around. And so Robin and I went to, to Knudsen and Paige drove us. We drove around her vineyard um, in the Knudsen mobile. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, you know, going there as a kid is one thing, but driving around it. I mean, it was, I, you know, I took a lot of photos and went home and showed my wife. And, you know, you can go um, behind the vineyard. Because behind the vineyard is the Trappist Abbey. And I've taken walks up there before and you get the fence and you're at the fence and you're like, oh, I'd love to walk through that vineyard. It looks so cool. But I can't. There's a big fence there. And so it's such a, you know, we've been throwing around iconic, but it really is the iconic vineyard in in, in, in the Dundee Hills. Is that Knudsen Vineyard is such a big, beautiful swath of grapes. And um, so to... To work with these grapes uh, is an honor and a pleasure. And um, to boot, uh, it's easy to work with Paige. So that is always helpful. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we're, 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 we're making a go um, at making a Blanc de Blanc. Um, we're taking grapes. Uh, Paige, why don't you talk about where we're getting, where we're sourcing the fruit from? I will. Well, first of all, I have to thank you, Alex, for all of those kind words. It really swells my heart to have you speak so glowingly about our vineyard. We think it's special, but to to think that you think it's special, it's pretty cool. The two blocks that will come into the Blanc to Blanc that we're producing, uh, one is relatively new in terms of being replanted in 20. 14. But the other is a block of grapes that is named after our mother. It's called Julia Lee's Block. And it was planted in 1990 as uh, of from Dijon clones that came over from France when David Adelsheim um, had a very close relationship with people at the University of Burgundy. And he was able to persuade them to send some French cuttings over, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And my father said, I'd loved some of the Chardonnay. And then he gave the uh, instruction to his vineyard manager at the time, who worked for us for 40 years, who's also going to be interviewed later in the, in the series. Alan Holstein, take these 25 cuttings, Alan, and make them 2,500 because I want to plant a fairly significant block. Alan did as he was told. (laughs) And we now have, or even at the time, had the have the oldest planting of the French Dijon clones, 76 and 96 in the new world. So in all of North America, all of South America, all of New Zealand and all of Australia, that is the oldest block of those vines planted in 1990. And it has a huge amount of sentimental value to us because it's named after our mother. The base wine is a combination of uh, the Julia Lee block that uh, was talking about. And then um, a younger block that's basically, it's just right below it. It's like, Mm -hmm. Julia Lee's rows one to 20. And then all of a sudden row 21 is this new block. So it's like right next door. Um, and it is, uh, in 2020, um, we're, I mean, site is, 
when you get to this level of making sparkling wine at the higher end level, sight is everything. You know, sight mm-hmm. is everything. And so working with this fruit, it allows us to make that world-class quality, compelling sparkling wine, which I know Oregon can do because I've had many bottles of Argyle Knudsen Vineyard um, sparkling over the years. So it is a, it is a, it is the, it is the Grand Cru site for sparkling in the state. And we will, we are excited to be working, um, working on this, on this project with Paige. So this will be in Tourage for about three years. So you're going to be going to have to be patient so, um, Circle Blosser, we currently make a Blanc de Blanc, but it's not from the Knudsen Vineyard. Um, it's from a vineyard that recently sold. So, we lost sourcing of the Chardonnay. So, it was good timing when Paige says, hey, because I'm like, I, I, I need Chardonnay now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we feel very lucky to have Alex and Robin Holly, who's the sparkling wine winemaker at Sokol Blosser, uh, involved in this project because sparkling wine does not make itself. Sparkling wine needs to be tended. It needs to be um, coaxed along. It needs very precise uh, techniques and technology. And I know I feel completely comfortable and confident that the winemaking ability and experience at Sokol Blosser in the embodied in Alex and Robin, it's there. It's going to be supremely good. It better be good. Well, <laughs> Thanks, Paige. We can do. We'll, we'll do it, Brian. Don't worry. You guys have talked this thing up. Now I'm. I'm like ready. Bring it on. You know. <laughs> you know. I'm going to get back to a little personal stuff here too. Are, are you guys raising your families on the vineyard too? And and then what's your long term plan to keep the business in the family? Our goal is to expose. There's eight people in the in the in the next generation. Eight kiddos. So Allison has three. I have two. Our older brother has three. So our, our goal is to. Yeah, that's it. All right. <laughs> um, our goal is to expose them all to the business and to let them decide if 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 this is something they want to be a part of. And our hope is that uh, one of them has that interest and that passion. And we can teach competency, but we, we really want that interest and passion. So I live on the vineyard. So my boys have grown up here for better, for worse. And um they uh, they've become um, fairly decent uh, forklift drivers, uh, marginally decent tractor drivers. Um, they really got into tractor driving this last year. Um, and of course, they'll be heading off to college. So that tractor driving knowledge may go downhill, uh, literally and figuratively. But um, the tractors are always there. And it's it's a you know, one thing growing up here is you are tied to the land. I mean, you 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 witness um, how the seasons affect the vines because you're literally seeing them right out your window. And so our goal is, again, to to show to 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 expose every generation and the third generation to the business, all aspects of it. And then our hope is, again, that uh, one of them shows interest. Now, the, the our oldest one is my brother, our brother's uh, oldest son. He's going to be a junior in college. Um, no, he's going to be a senior next year. Oh my God. So he'll be a senior in college. And so I, you know, I'm not against bribing. I've already bribed, uh, uh, nephew Alexander say, Hey man, what, what, what will it take? You want to come back? You want, you, we will we'll go first class to Paris. Is that what, is that what it would take? Let's, let's go to Paris and try to sell some wine. <laughs> <laughs> 
that might be a little <laughs> difficult, but we might have to eat when we get there and we'll see. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the little carrot and the stick. Um, but the, the industry is, is, uh, well, we're definitely hoping that there's a, a, a third generation option. Yep, I hear you. And we've interesting. I didn't know that there were eight grandkids from your mom and dad for, for my dad and mom had eight grandkids too. Ooh. My mother wasn't able, wasn't alive to see very many of them because she died quite early in her life, but there are eight and one out of eight uh, completed four years of the viticulture and enology school at Cornell and is now working in another business in Washington state, learning other aspects of the business. So, so we've got cool. at least one and maybe another who used to work in the, the retail wine business. So, but I understand you have to, you have to kind of um, encourage it, but not be too, um, ex- have too many expectations. It, it, exactly. And the thing is, I mentioned before the wine industry, I mean, there's so much to it. You know, do you want to be on the farming agricultural side of it? Mm-hmm. You can do that. Do you want to be on the manufacturing side of it, which is the winemaking? You can do that. Then there's all this sales and marketing stuff. I mean, that is that's the hardest part of the business is sales and marketing. So then you got that. But let's just, that's why I try to sell my nieces and nephews. Hey, you want to be a CPA? You can be an accountant for the winery. Oh. You want to be a lawyer? The winer needs a lawyer. Oh, <laughs> a firefighter? The winer needs firefighting. You never know. It's 2020. So, hey, whatever you do, the winery needs that skill. So that's Uncle Alex. That's how I sell it to my nieces and nephews. So I do that with my boys. They'll be like, no, Dad. <laughs> Pretty compelling. Uh, you can practice with your boys and maybe somebody else will listen. There you go. Exactly right. That's what I do. So, Alex, last question then is, uh, would you like to adopt a brother? <laughs> adopt a brother is, is that a, is that a, is that a new is that a new program yeah is that a, i mean because everything you mentioned there sounds very interesting i would be interested in the wine tasting gig right that, <laughs> that's that's what i would like to do is that available all right brian i'll work on that okay thank you S- send me the paperwork <laughs> Well, always a fun time with Allison and Alex. We appreciate them joining us. Thanks as well to Paige Knutson-Coles and her team. A ton of time and effort to bring everyone together to celebrate, and we thank them for their efforts. Also want to thank you for downloading this episode and this series on Vintage. In our next episode, we'll welcome one of the most influential women in wine, Veronique Druin joins us as we continue our six-part series celebrating Knutson Vineyard's 50th anniversary, next time on Vintage. Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media, all rights reserved.